My name is Milian Mori and welcome to our podcast Warrior Family. We are a family of successful entrepreneurs, visioners, hustlers and leaders. We are compassionate, loving, fearless and determined. We fight for love, profits and a better world. And this podcast was made for future leaders, entrepreneurs, world changers and families all over the world. We gained our wealth by running one of the best network marketing companies in Europe and successfully coaching and speaking empire. Our stories, tips will show you that everything is possible. And this podcast includes all the best sales, marketing, relationship, personal growth and health advice you can get and interviews with the most successful people in the world. Our motto is, my business is not my family. My family is my business. And we are here to show you how to have it all. Hi everybody, this is Warrior Family and I'm Smilian Mori. I know that you are all here because you are sure that you can create and live the life worth living. But in order to do this, we have to do something about it. And my purpose within this show is to bring your guests, their strategies, hacks, tactics that can help you become the person you want to become, build a business and live the life worth living. And today I have a special guest. His name is Bedros Kulian. He is the author of the Man Up book. He is the founder and CEO of Fitbody Bootcamp. Is a serial entrepreneur with multi-million dollar generating businesses in franchising software, digital marketing, and business consulting. He is known as the hidden genius that entrepreneurs and business experts turn to when they want to quickly scale their business, boost sales, and increase profits. And today we are here with him in Chino Hills. Thank you, Bedros. Thank you, Smilian. I appreciate the opportunity. So, Welcome to our headquarters. So, yeah, thank you very much for taking some precious time out of your business and life. Let's talk about this yes, sir. first. Man up. What does it mean to man up? Yeah, man up simply means to stop making excuses, take <laughs> control of the situation you're in, and rise to your potential. I believe that we all have greater potential mm -hmm. in family, love, health, mindset, money. But we don't rise to that potential because we hang around with too many people mm -hmm. who are just mediocre. I call those people crop dusters. <laughs> you could also become fighter jets. And these okay. are people who are extraordinary and not just mediocre. And so the Man Up is really about the conversation I had with myself. It was a very deep, intimate conversation that I had in 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And I was overweight. My business was failing. My relationship was on the rocks, and I had to tell myself, it's time to man up. Those five words. Mm. And one, it's time to man up at a time. I fixed my business, my health, my relationship. It didn't take months. It took years. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this because most people, whether they're entrepreneurs or just regular people who have careers but know they have higher potential, mm -hmm. here's what I did to man up and reach my fullest potential, mm -hmm. and here's what you can do as well. And there's six specific tactics that I go through in there that gives people clarity on how to reach their potential. So when you say man up, it, it means that it only is applicable to the men or you speak also to the women? Very good question. Yeah. And the title has gotten a yeah, lot of... Like a lot of man uh, up, yeah. Right. The truth of the matter is it's human up, right? We're human. Human, okay. Yeah. And so whether you want to say man up, woman up, to me, mm -hmm. I say human up. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, the term we hear here in the United States, at least, it's, mm -hmm. hey, man up, go get that raise. Man up, fix your relationship. Man up, 
do the thing they're supposed to, right? Mm -hmm. It's a phrase, it's a term of call to action. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it as human up. And the reason I look at it that way is as humans, I always ask people, I say, do you believe that we are top of the food chain? And most people say, of course we are. It's not animals, they're not Mm -hmm. the top of the food chain, we are. Yet I can go outside in a parking lot here and look in different people's cars and you'll see empty Starbucks cans Mm -hmm. and cups and food wrappers, Mm -hmm. their car is a mess. And then you look at their workstation, their workstation is a mess. You look at their relationship, that's a mess. You Mm -hmm. look at their mindset, that's a mess. Their finances is a mess. And so why are we not humaning up? If we are the top of the food chain, why aren't we living like that Mm -hmm. to our greater potential? That's why I put that mantra there, man up, stop making excuses, take control and rise to your potential. You mentioned the year 2012. Yes. I see you are in not great, you are in excellent, like <laughs> the best shape ever probably. Yeah, this is the yeah. best shape I've ever been. So you are in the great shape. You have great relationship with your wife. You have two kids. You have great business. Fit Body Bootcamp, which is yes, growing sir. like crazy. Yeah. You are all over the place on Instagram. You wrote a book, uh, the book and the mantra, Man Up, it's everywhere. But you said in 2012, you were falling apart. You were overweight, under stress, problems with finance, yeah. relationship. My question is, how did you get into that situation? Not how did you get out of the situation? We will talk about it, but yeah. why and how did you get in yeah. this shit? <laughs> yeah, you know, Smillion, it's a, I'm so, no one's ever asked me that question. Everybody just assumes, oh, you got into it, but how yeah. do we get into yeah. it? <laughs> you have to do something right. <laughs> I always think about this. We're like a cruise ship. Imagine mm-hmm. two cruise ships going in the water, right? Mm-hmm. And they both have the same destination, but one of the cruise ships, the one on the left here, is just one degree off. Now, over half a mile, it's not a big deal. Over one mile, it's not a big deal. Over a hundred miles, this cruise ship is now way off track. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Mm -hmm. It's never going to reach its destination. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what happens to most of us, entrepreneurs or not, we end up doing small degrees of inadequacies Mm -hmm. in our life, Mm -hmm. in our business. We overlook the employee that we should have a confrontation with, a conversation Mm -hmm. with, and correct them, and we don't. There's a conversation we should have with our spouse, and we don't. Mm-hmm. There's a leakage in our business that it's just small enough where we can overlook, but mm-hmm. a small leak becomes a big leak. Mm-hmm. And so it's the one degrees of change that I used to allow that would become 10, 20 degrees. Now, 10, 20 degrees in my personal life, in my health, in my money, mm-hmm. in my relationship, now I'm 80 degrees off my path, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, it happens slowly over time. It never happens overnight. Absolutely. No one goes broke overnight, bad relationship overnight, bad mindset You overnight. think it happened overnight, but it yeah. didn't. And so I always tell people, I say, look how important one degree of change is. Water boils at 211 degrees. Mm-hmm. And you can make a hard-boiled egg. But one more degree, 212 degrees, it turns into steam. And now it can power a nuclear power mm-hmm. plant. Mm-hmm. One degree of change, it goes from water to steam. Mm-hmm. One degree of change in us... Mm-hmm multiplies and over time can erode our money, our mindset, our relationships, everything, our health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you do? Like, so what I decided to yeah. do was, this is, again, I talk about it in the book, but this is embarrassing to admit, but my business was falling apart so severely. I was over $640,000 in debt. And I had employees not just quitting one at a time. One day, four of them quit at one time. And I only had 11 employees at the time. It's not the 50 team members that we have now. 
And things were so bad. I was taking, drinking NyQuil every night and taking Vicodin, painkillers, to go to sleep because my mm. brain was so active, I was so stressed. In the mornings, I would wake up and it would be coffee and pre-workout and Adderall, stimulants to wake up because wow. I was so foggy-headed. Like, I want to draw the picture of how stressed and overwhelmed I was. I realize now, looking back, I was depressed. Mm -hmm. I was depressed and anxious. And so what I realized that I'm not going to fix my business. I just said, I'm just going to let it fall apart. So I would go and buy a book from the bookstore and start reading it in my car, just waiting for my business to fall apart so that I can say, see, I tried, but it fell apart. But I was subconsciously just mm -hmm. letting, it, letting it go. Sabotaging. Sabotaging it. Well, one of the books I was reading was by a Navy SEAL named Howard Wasden. Mm -hmm. He was a Navy SEAL sniper, SEAL Team 6, in the 90s during the Black Hawk Down era in, mm -hmm. uh, in Africa, Mogadishu. And he wrote stories of, you know, just war and what it's like and et cetera. But in his book, he talks about their training mm -hmm. and how they have to be decisive and they have to take own every single situation. And before they ever go to kill or capture or do anything, they have a very specific mm -hmm. mission. Mm -hmm. And every single team member is clear on their vision, right? And they don't call them soldiers. They call them a team. If you notice, I said I had employees but now I have 50-some-odd team members, okay. right? Because employees clock in a little late, clock out a little early, do the bare minimum to maintain employment. Team members go above and beyond. They're clear on the vision and the mission, mm -hmm. and they work as a unified force to win against mm -hmm. the opponent. Mm -hmm. Do I want a team or employees? Of course I want a team. It's the only way I'm going to win in this franchise game. And so as I'm reading one Navy SEAL book, and I go buy another one and another one, they keep reinforcing the same thing. Self-discipline, mm -hmm. great communication. That's what you need if you have to go to battle and kill someone. Your Navy SEAL team has to have great communication. The ability to be on the same page of the mission and the vision. Be decisive. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong, make a decision, right? I was the king mm -hmm. of not making mm -hmm. decisions. <laughs> Most people are indecisive, <laughs> right? And so, and of course, go from having just mishmash employees to a team. So. I kept reading, there's 11 Navy SEALs that I give thanks to in the very back. Mm -hmm. These 11 Navy SEALs wrote amazing books, and by, I was just reading it for entertainment. But I kept getting the same message subconsciously oh, installed. Yeah. Self-discipline, great communication, clarity of vision, mission-focused, mm -hmm. decisiveness, build a team, emotional resilience, over and over and over. And, and soon, I didn't even realize that I was using that in my business, and I saw mm -hmm. my business slowly get back on track. Mm -hmm. And I go, holy smokes. These guys have been coaching me through their books, and now I'm fixing my business. And once I was aware of it, I really went all in. And over in the next two, two and a half years, by 2015, we started seeing a massive change and a positive change. But your first change, yourself. Self-discipline. Yeah. Pillar number one is self-discipline. Mm -hmm. You cannot lead unless you're leading yourself. Yeah. Great. So you are working with your wife in the business. Yes, sir. Your wife, She's up Diana, is in the business with you. Yes. So what do you think about husband and wife working together in the same business? I get some different opinions on this, that, you know, I don't want to work with my wife in the business. Me, personally, I work with my wife 20 years in the business. And I think this is the best gift that somebody can get if you are the right team members. <laughs> you just answered the so, question. That's so it. what do you think about, like, how do you split your duties at home and in the business, because it's not that easy to leave everything here in the office, go back home, and don't talk about the business. So how do you make this clear line 
in the sense. We do talk about the business. You when, when you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you're in 24 hours a day. Okay. And so imagine if we didn't work together. Mm -hmm. I would want to talk about my business because I'm an entrepreneur. But if she had a job, let's say, she doesn't want to talk about her mm -hmm. job because mm -hmm. it's someone else's business. Now I'm, I'm going to want to talk to her. She's not going to want to hear it. This is why people who don't work together, I believe, eventually start splitting apart. Wow. My opinion is find someone who's as emotionally strong as you on the same page as you. Now, if you married a woman who was not on the same page as you, she's not as driven, mm -hmm. she's not as focused, she doesn't have the same vision and mission for your family, you couldn't work 20 years with her. The reason you're able to do this, the reason I'm able to do this is we married the right people. Mm. And then we decided to go all in. I have my roles and responsibilities here. She has her roles and responsibilities. Because being an entrepreneur is 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year, when we are in the car going on a date night or when we are going, to, uh, going home, even around our kids, we talk about business. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. we're teaching them how to be entrepreneurs and leaders, mm -hmm. right? So I don't see anything wrong with that. Do we have a balance? Of course we do. We mm -hmm. watch TV shows together. We go to movies together. We'll go to dinners together. But the business is our hobby and it's our mission in life. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you are teaching kids about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So what do you teach them? I teach them that they must be responsible for their own personal income. Okay. Never look for someone else for income. And they are only 10 and 11? Yes. 13 yes. and 11. Uh, 13 yeah. and 11. Andrew is 13 and uh, yeah. Chloe, she's 11. Chloe's 11, exactly. Yeah. And in fact, my daughter, she makes slime and puts it in mm -hmm. Ziploc packets and sells it at school for $1. Mm -hmm. And then we donate the money to Shriners mm -hmm. Children's mm -hmm. Hospitals. But I'm teaching them entrepreneurship because it's very rare to find a business that the founder has such vision that they want to take great care of their teams. Mm -hmm. Like I pay my employees well. One, we have health benefits, 401ks, partnership rewards programs. So we reward them on the growth of the business. Mm -hmm. That's a rare situation. Most businesses either fold or get bought out every three to five years, mm -hmm. which creates uncertainty. I also teach our team members, look, I'm the entrepreneur, I'll take the big risks, I'll come up with the big vision, but you're the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That means these video guys here, they have to make the best videos to be able to move our money needle. Mm -hmm. Our web designer has to make the best websites to move the money needle. Everybody, you're the entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I'm the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'll take the big risks, but know that you have control over our mm -hmm. money too. Mm -hmm. And when you help us grow the money, I will grow your personal money, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, I don't, I, I've had jobs before. No one ever had that talk with me. I was the employee, they were the boss, they said to do something and I had to do it. Here, everyone's got a voice. I may not take your idea and implement it because it's not in line with my vision, mm -hmm. but oftentimes my team has come up with better ideas for the business than I ever could. Absolutely. Right? And so again, it goes back to being the kind of servant leader that is open-minded, is willing to hear, can put the ego aside. Mm -hmm. So where my kids are concerned, it's the same thing. They're young, but I let them know that, hey, unless you find yourself in a rare situation that you're working for someone, view yourself as a entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Find mm -hmm. a way to make them money and then ask for some of that, mm -hmm. right? Ask for some of that, whether in a form of commission, a bonus, a pay raise, et cetera. But I'd rather them become entrepreneurs, take big risks and get big rewards. And so by instilling that in them, and of course the six pillars of leadership mm -hmm. from the book, you know, my daughter's already selling slime, my son's <laughs> already you know, creating a YouTube channel because he believes that he wants to help other kids break away from traditional school education mm -hmm. because I travel with my son. I'll take him to speaking gigs that I go to nice. and he'll stand in the back of the room and he'll watch me speak and he'll watch Gary Vaynerchuk and, and all these guys speak and he interacts with them. I mean, since the age of 10, he's 13 now. Can you imagine? 
right? He can shake your hand, look you in the eye, ask you questions. When I was 10 years old, hell, when I was 20 years old, <laughs> I couldn't shake your hand, look you in the eye, and ask questions. So the advantage I want to give my kids is the advantage I never had. We will talk about this later, but you came from Armenia with your parents. You mentioned yes, your sir. kid is 13 years old, he can shake hands, look into the eyes, and you were very Six, young, shy, yeah. probably. Yeah, very shy, very introverted. So can we go back to the time when you came to the U.S.? How old were you then? Do you have trouble reaching your goals? I have a surprise for you. Download my free ebook Goal Setting for Warriors at www.warriorfamily.com and you will know how to set, plan and reach even your biggest goals. The year was 1980. I was six years old. Six June year. 16th, we got into the United States. You remember? Yeah. That was a very special day. So how did you get here? Uh, you... My father was a member of the Communist Party mm -hmm. in Armenia, Soviet Union. And he worked in a men's clothing manufacturer's plant. And they would make suits, very much like the one you're wearing. Mm -hmm. And they had suits on patterns. And so he put the patterns so tightly together on the material that for every 10, 12 suits they would make, they would have enough material left over that mm -hmm. he can take home and make a custom suit for someone in the community and sell it on the black market, right? And of course, as you know, in the communist marketplace, like there is no free enterprise, there is no free, free <laughs> business. And so he put together 25,000 rubles and bribed the uh, Russian consult, Soviet consult, and we escaped into Italy. And we said, we're visiting my mom's sister. She doesn't even have a sister. Escaped with, by car or train or? We flew into Italy. Okay. So we flew into Italy. We took a train to, so to, to I think, St. Petersburg. From either St. Petersburg or Moscow, we flew into Italy. And it was to visit my, sister, uh, my mom's sister, which she doesn't have a sister. But to say that if we're going to go visit someone in America, that's a no-no, no, right? No. Italy communist sympathizers, hey, that's okay. okay. So we had to make it look like we're visiting. So we, could, we only took two suitcases, a family of five. What can you put in two suitcases? We had to make it look like we're only Nothing. going for a couple of weeks, right? Once we were in Italy, Rome, we went to the American consulate. My dad said, hey, we're you know, Soviet refugees and we want uh, political asylum and I'll help give any information you need, but we want to go to the United States. 11 days later, we did the paperwork and legally entered the United States. Did you know that you're escaping Armenia? I had no clue. You know, when you're six years old, you're just with mom and dad. You're fine. You're safe. When did you find out? When you were in, in U.S. already? I, you know, I realize now, well, this is funny, right? And you can understand this. Our culture, yeah. we don't, I tell my kids everything now, but my parents, they don't tell you it. You don't, the kids are, you just don't know. <laughs> you, just don't, you just come with them. So I didn't know. I wasn't told, hey, we're escaping. And yeah. Maybe part of it is they didn't want me to say anything to Absolute, the neighbors, yeah, right? Yeah. But at some point when we're in Italy, maybe you should tell me like, hey, we're escaping. We're never going back. We're going to America. It's a new place. Mm -hmm. Like literally, I knew this was a new place, a new home. When we came to the United States on June 16th of 1980, and some guy picks us up from the airport from LAX. We go to his two-bedroom apartment. And he says, you guys have 30 days, in Armenian, he says this, you have 30 days for the five of you to stay in one of the bedrooms. So I realized, wait, this is not a vacation, is it? This is home. And I remember the anxiety I felt because not of anything else, just missing my toys, missing my friends, mm. missing home. 
not because of fear of what if we don't have food. I knew mom and dad would provide, but it was, it was a scary situation. But I'm so blessed that it, it, was, it was turned out the way it did. Is this something that made you who you are today? I think so. I think so, so why do you think so? Well, I, I, I say that because when you come to a country like the United States, especially in the 80s, mm -hmm. it wasn't the politically correct United States that it is today. In the 80s, there was people yelling at you saying, go back to your own effing country. You don't speak English. You're taking all of our jobs, right? They were yelling at my mom and dad, my older brother, my older sister. And you realize this and you, you start seeing how hard your parents have to work. And mm -hmm. so I started to see that hard work is important. When someone's not going to mm -hmm. give you a job or an opportunity, they made opportunities. My dad started doing a paper route. Two o'clock in the morning, he's passing out papers. And then in the morning, he's pumping gas at a gas <laughs> station. And we're talking for like a couple dollars an hour, like very low, like below minimum wage. And then in the afternoon, he works at a pizzeria cleaning tables, right? And then while he was pumping gas at a gas station, there's a giant grocery store, and the grocery store has a big dumpster behind mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. Well, the food that expires, they have to throw away. They can't sell. My dad discovered that, hey, we can go get that food and eat it. Even if it's a little moldy, we can just pick off the mold or the leaves on the lettuce that's dead, we can peel it off and eat it. So he would take me to the dumpster and push me in, and I'd pull out eggs and bread mm -hmm. and cheese and lettuce, and you know that was our food, and that was okay because the money they were making, we had to leave that apartment in 30 days, so the money was for the apartment. In fact, one of the apartments we lived in, we moved around a lot after moving out of that guy's apartment, it was, it was Section 8 housing. Section 8 housing means mm -hmm. the government is subsidizing the apartment, so the rent is low. Mm -hmm. It's controlled rent, but very awful, awful living conditions. And so by this point, I was maybe seven and a half, almost eight years old. I got lice. I got lice. Well, my mom couldn't, uh, we couldn't afford lice treatment. We need every penny. So she got resourceful. She had my dad siphon gasoline from a parked car, and she washed my hair with gasoline. Now, when I talk to people who have come from different countries, they go, oh, that happened to me, no big deal. In America, no. my friend, that is like you're going to jail. If that happens today, you're going to jail, right? That's child abuse. But I heard about this first time in Cuba. Yeah. And so it's resourcefulness, right? So I learned hard work from my parents. When people aren't going to give you a legit job, just go and do any work you can to make a living. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't just say, well, I guess I'm going to be homeless. So hard work was a lesson I learned. Resourcefulness. If you don't have mm -hmm. the money, the resources to buy lash treatment or to get web designer or to make to buy cameras, get resourceful. Use your phone. Use your iPhone to make the videos you need to send a message that you want. Get resourceful. Mm -hmm. Everybody's looking for the resources. Nobody's getting resourceful enough. I learned that first thing, like the first couple of years when we were in this country, to be resilient, to be resourceful, and to work harder than everybody else. That same lesson that I learned and saw from my parents, I still apply today, and I mm -hmm. teach my kids that. Mm -hmm. yeah. What was the hardest moment in your life later when you finished the school and you entered the business world? How did you start in the business? The hardest moment for me was I knew that I wanted to be a personal trainer, and I wanted mm -hmm. to be the personal trainer who had a career. I went mm -hmm. to people's homes to train them. I didn't know how to sell. And the hardest mm -hmm. moment was when I realized I'm a good trainer, I look the part, I have the education certifications, but I also had two side jobs. Mm -hmm. And Smillion, I don't know of any other nurse, doctor, accountant who is a nurse, doctor, or accountant and also a busboy at Disneyland at restaurants 
right? I worked on Main Street restaurants, and then I was a bouncer at a, at a nightclub. I didn't want those two side jobs. And I realized thinking like, this is very tough. Like here I thought I was gonna get certified, have my degree, be able to help people. I only had three clients, and then after that I was cleaning tables and a bouncer in the evenings over the weekends. And so in that moment I realized there's something missing. I don't have the, a skill and it's costing me money. It's costing me a career. How am I ever gonna learn? I don't even know what's missing. Mm -hmm. Thank God I had a client, his name is Jim Franco. You know, when you're a personal yeah, trainer, yeah. Your, your clients typically have money, right? Yeah. They're fluent. And so one of these three clients, his name is Jim Franco, older guy, he says, you know what your problem is? I said, what? He goes, you're an order taker. I go, <laughs> order taker. Yeah, I go, what do you mean? He goes, you just take people's orders. They want to buy personal training, you sell it to them. Otherwise, you don't know how to sell personal training. You let everybody walk. And he was very harsh with me. He mm. said, you're not closing enough people because you don't know how to sell. You're taking orders. And that's why you have two side jobs. And that was a very harsh awakening. The next day, he brought me a cassette tape by Tom Hopkins, who does real estate mm -hmm. sales. Yeah. And he says, listen to this. And when you're done, I'm going to give you another tape and another tape. And Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and Dan Kennedy and Jay Abraham and Tony Robbins. Before you know it, I'm learning sales and marketing, influence, persuasion, how to build rapport. Man, it was like somebody opened my eyes. And all of a sudden, I'm not just taking orders. If you're sitting in front of me mm -hmm. and you ask me how much is personal training, within 20 minutes, you're a client paying a $600 to $1,200 a month. And all of a sudden, I can quit my jobs, my side jobs and go full time in. But man, that was a scary moment to know this is what I want to do for my life. But you cannot. But I cannot. I have to go do two things that I hate, not even despise, hate. Did you hate selling? <laughs> I, I didn't hate selling. I just didn't know how. So I thought uh -huh, I was doing okay. it. If you ask me how much is, is personal training, I would say, oh, it's you know, $55 a session. And I can give you a discount. <laughs> yeah. The, the best. And you, well, I got to think about it. I would say, well, I'll give you a discount. And if you go, I still got to go think about it. And I'd say, okay. okay. Right? But I had these two side jobs that I hated. I didn't want to clean tables. I didn't want to bus, be a bouncer at a bar. I don't fight, man. I, I can talk my way out of any fight. Like, I'm a very logical, pragmatic person. Mm -hmm. And, like, my days of fighting were well behind me at that point. Like, I was an angry young man. But at this point, now I know I want to be a personal trainer. I know that's my path mm -hmm. to be a personal trainer. But I'm busting tables and a bouncer till 2, 3 in the morning. That's not the lifestyle I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was just the worst feeling to be able to know what your passion and purpose is, but not be able to live it. I think there are many people out there that they maybe found this passion that they have or the gift, uh, they discovered the gift, but they don't know how to monetize yeah. the passion, the gift, the knowledge and mm -hmm. everything. So what are some of the steps for beginners that want to become entrepreneurs or solopreneurs and they want to monetize their passion, their gift? You know, the time, the era that we live now, like this is the most amazing, blessed time ever. Here's why. We're in a time where I might have a desire, a passion for something. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's making mugs, but I don't know how to make them and sell them. And I don't know how to teach others how to make them. What I can do though is take out my phone and just make how-to videos on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, just how-to videos. And Facebook, YouTube, Instagram is so smart. Their algorithm is so smart. Soon it starts showing my videos to people who want to make coffee mugs and beer mugs and hot cider mugs. And soon those people are following me. And all of a sudden, I have a tribe. So you don't have to necessarily go and say, all right, I want to teach people how to make coffee mugs from scratch. How do I do this? Mm -hmm. Right? Just create content. 
that was the advice Gary gave you, mm -hmm. yeah, right? Yeah, you said, yeah. Gary said, you, you said, hey, Gary, what do I do? Just go out and do something. Yeah. And you started podcasting yeah. and you just went on and interviewed everybody. And now I'm guessing you're making money with it. You're monetizing mm -hmm. it because soon you start attracting like-minded people and they go, hey, I want a life like yours. And you go, well, here's a book that I wrote and that book leads them into your funnel and you sell them mm -hmm. more services in exchange for money. Well, it's the same thing. How to make mugs. Just put the time in on those three platforms every day consistently. Most people don't do it long enough and consistent mm. enough. Well, they start and stop mm -hmm. and they hope that in one month I can have a million dollars. I don't know about one month. Like, I don't know about one month, but you give me a decade and, and I can make sure that you're the top guy in your industry. So it's all about the patient. Yeah, you got to be patient, patient, do the work. Yeah, mm -hmm. be patient, do the work. But that's not sexy. Nobody wants to hear that. You know, what, what's sexy is, you know, run this Facebook ad to this audience and make this funnel and you're going to wake up to money coming in. Sure, we yeah. can do that too, but that's probably not going to be a lasting business. What are some of the traits of successful entrepreneurs? Because you are associating with many of them. What do they have in common? Yeah, no, good question. First of all, they're, they're ruthlessly disciplined. Mm -hmm. The most successful entrepreneurs are ruthlessly disciplined. Now, I have to define what successful is. Not mm -hmm. the ones that make $100 million a year okay. when their company makes $100 million okay. a year. How much are they keeping? Revenue mm -hmm. is for the ego. Profits mm -hmm. is for the family, right? Strong and statement. So I see so many people, I own a $100 million company. It took them four years, five years to build it. Hey, good for you. Come back four years, five years later, they're broke. What happened? They're not ruthlessly disciplined because when the money started to come in, they started to get poorly disciplined mm -hmm. and make decisions. Again, one degree decisions. Oh, if I just drink a little bit tonight, I'll still be fine tomorrow, and you are. So the next day, I'm gonna drink two more glasses more, right? One degrees of change. Before you know it, you slept in through an important meeting, or you showed up to the meeting foggy-headed, and mm -hmm. that deal didn't go through. It's those little things that start causing, and then before you know it, you spoke on stage at an event, and you were drunk or hungover, or you missed the event completely. I've seen it all. The examples I'm giving you are real life examples, my friend. This is not just me. Wow. This is not theories. This is people that I've seen. And before you know it, your reputation is, don't hire that guy. He shows up drunk. Oh, shit. Now what happens? Now your reputation precedes mm -hmm. you, right? And so this is how people fail. So success to okay. me is, can you create a business that adds value, that makes great revenue, but mm -hmm. also makes great profits so you can take home. I know plenty of hundred, I know a guy who has a $300 million company in real estate, it is not profitable. He's constantly taking on investors. It's not profitable, it's not profitable. Yet, everybody shares a top line number. So, successful habits are fiercely and ruthlessly disciplined mm -hmm. in your sleep, in your diet, in your nutrition, in your mindset, in your relationship, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, the most successful people surround themselves with like-minded individuals. Mm -hmm. You can't surround yourself with chickens and expect to fly like the eagle, right? You just can't. You have to surround yourself with other eagles. Number three, they live in extremes. Every successful person I know is a very extremist type person. Everything is black and white. There's no gray. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's no gray for me. I will wake up when I wake up because I set my alarm. I will never hit snooze even if I'm sick. That's it. That's it. And so they're very extreme. If I show you on my phone, I have 97 phone numbers blocked on my phone. That's a pretty extreme thing. Some friends, some family, blocked. some clients, blocked. Blocked because these are people who will text me long messages 
and it's always the sky is falling, emotionally disturbed messages because they had a bad day, but they think they're having a bad life. Yeah, oh, right. Wow. And in that moment of having a bad day, they're giving me a bad day. And so the extreme entrepreneur says, I'm going to block you. Not, I'm not going to say I don't love you. I'm going to block you so that you don't bleed into my life. Because hmm. now they can, a text is pretty obvious. Like you see it come up. They have my email, they can email me, and I'll get to my email when I get to my email. But I don't want to be sitting in an environment Direct. like this, and then all of a sudden have someone send me a negative message, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it's not to make my day bad, it's that they're having a bad day, and in this moment, they've gone limbic. They're not logical, they've gone limbic, like a dog. When you come in, your dog's gone crazy, right? <laughs> Emotional, exactly. And so again, extreme, disciplined, surround yourself with winners and not losers, and people go, yeah, but, these are my friends from high school. I don't care. They're still losers now. Before, you were on the same page. Now, they have jobs. You have a business. They look forward to weekends. You look forward to Monday. You have nothing in common. Why are you hanging out with them? And they're going to make you feel guilty for having a $100,000 sale. They're going to make you feel guilty. Oh, what are you going to do with that money, right? That must feel good to make that kind of money. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. So live extreme, and nobody lives extreme, and they go, I want to be successful, but they do everything undisciplined, not in extreme, and of course, they still hang around with chickens, and they go, I want to be an eagle like that guy. Good luck. It's not going to happen. How, how do you deal with uh, haters? I asked uh, this question, uh, Grant Cardone. He said, I don't have time for haters. <laughs> how do you deal with this? Negative comments. Probably you get some on Facebook, on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. You know? I, I get some. I hear about it, but... I just don't, don't give them any time. I simply don't have any time because I can create faster than they can copy. And when someone is hating, it's because it's just a reflection of how they feel. They, that was my idea. Someone once told me Fit Body Bootcamp was my idea. I had the idea of indoor boot camps. Why didn't you do it? It was my idea. I, again, it goes back to resources. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the money. I didn't, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money. I, the first location we put a boot camp in, it was a sublease. Mm -hmm. There was a gymnastic center. And I said, hey, no one's using the gymnastic center in the morning? They said, no. Great. Can I ha run a boot camp in here and just pay you $300 a month? That's all I had, right? And so I didn't have the resources. Mm -hmm. But that same person will start hating on me as I grow my number of locations, as we become an Inc. 5000 location, as we become an Entrepreneur 500 franchise. I don't have time for that. So they're likely, if I know them, they're blocked. If I don't know them, I ignore them. And when people go, did you hear what so-and-so said, put on their blog, put on their YouTube channel about you? I go, I didn't, and please don't bring them up again. Mm. They simply do not exist to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's it. I am the king of building walls, and you're either on this side of the wall or this side. And haters are on that side of the wall, and I don't see you. You mentioned locations. How many locations do you have for the Fit Body Bootcamp now? As of yesterday, 714 locations. And your ultimate goal in 2000. 2023, our goal is to have 2,500 locations. Wow, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. What is so specific with your Fit Body Bootcamp franchise? Because there are, like you said, like many ideas yeah. out there, similar yeah. models. So what is such a special deal with you? What's special about our, our bootcamp is real mm -hmm. simple. Who we market to, mm -hmm. they're mostly moms. Uh -huh. We don't have mirrors in the gym because, well, moms aren't happy with their body when they first start. Why do they need to walk into a gym and see every imperfection. Because most people, even men, when you look in the mirror, you don't go, man, my arms are big. Yes. <laughs> you find the imperfection, yeah, don't absolutely. you? Absolutely. So why have mirrors? So we know exactly who our avatar is. We market to our mm -hmm. avatar. We do one thing, we do it better than anybody else. There's other group training programs out mm -hmm. there, but they try and attract men and women. Look, if there's guys 
in the Fit Body Bootcamp, and we have guys, we welcome men, but we don't market to them. Mm. The men that come in are they're the husbands or the brothers mm -hmm. of the women in there. They're not, it's not a, a pickup joint mm -hmm. where they're picking mm -hmm. up other, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. The women feel safe, they feel un, in control, and they're doing amazing stuff. And look, when you work out, it's not sexy, it's not pretty. You're grunting, you're sweating, you're making ugly faces. And they know that I can do this in this environment. So we know who our avatar is, we know what they want, and we do that one thing better than anybody else. And we constantly drive it. We don't have squat racks, we don't have juice bars, we don't have daycares for the kids, none of that stuff. We do one thing, we do better than anybody else over and over and over again. We keep perfecting it while everyone else wants to, I'm gonna add squat racks, I'm gonna do this, and soon you become everything to everybody. I want to be just something to one person. Like, so you have to make a decision yeah. who is not your client. Oh, yeah. It's very important. Yeah. Even the look and feel of our locations are designed to attract the mm -hmm. right people. Mm -hmm. Our spokes model, Brooke Burke, like every woman knows her. Every woman knows Brooke Burke. She was dancing with the stars host for eight years. She was on E! Online. Like even the spokes model is designed to attract the right audience. Mm -hmm. She's a mom of two in her 50s. Mm -hmm. Looks amazing women can, can connect with her, right? And so everything we do is designed to work with our avatar and get them in, get them results, and get them to talk about us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned you have 40, 50 people on the team? Yes. So do you have any specific strategy, system, how you deal with your employees, meetings, structures? Like yeah, so uh, the hierarchy goes like this. Yeah. Um, it's like an upside-down like upside pyramid. Mm -hmm. I'm in the bottom, the mm -hmm. CEO, holding mm -hmm. up the pyramid, mm -hmm. right? And then there's two VPs, vice presidents. Okay. One VP is the director of the, the, the team, basically. They oversee, okay. help oversee the team. And the other VP is constantly looking for new business strategies, new business opportunities mm -hmm. for us. Like marketing? Yes. Marketing, media. And one is for operation. Yeah. Okay. So operations mm -hmm. and outside marketing. Yeah. Exactly. Right? So it's me, two VPs, and then we have six departments. Mm -hmm. Each department has a department lead. And then each department has what we call just specialists, mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the team members that are in there. Mm -hmm. And so if a team member has an issue, they bring it to their department lead. Department lead can't solve it, they bring it to the director. Actually, we, have, we now have a director of team development, someone mm -hmm. whose job it is just to make our team better and better and better mm -hmm. through coaching, support. We're bringing Jocko Willingson here to run things. We just, every month, we either a book or a course or a seminar to constantly make our team members better. Why? Because if we're gonna become a 100 million, 200 million, $300 million company, we need them to operate at that level, just mm. like me. If I want to be a $200 million company, I have to operate at a $200 million CEO's mindset, right? And so one of my coaches is Cameron Harold, the guy he, mm -hmm. he started. Oh, I know him. Okay. Yeah, I met right. him at the Genius Network. Yeah, exactly. And I'm in the Genius yeah. Network. And so I hang around with guys who have created already $200 million companies so that I can get my company up to that level. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to wait to get there first. I want the mindset first so I can navigate my business there. So the hierarchy is that. Me, the CEO, two VPs, department leads, and then uh, the specialists who, mm -hmm. who run it. And of course, it's just, but anyone, we have Tuesday morning meetings every other Tuesday, and the entire team's there, and everyone can voice mm -hmm. an opinion. And we have a shout out box, like this box, like if a civilian did something amazing above and beyond mm -hmm. the call of duty, I'll, hey, civilian did this, and I really appreciate him for doing that. I'll fold it up and put it in there, and we give each other shout outs. Mm -hmm. And so, do we give corrections? Absolutely. We also give shout outs. And, it's just those little things we do. I don't, I don't, every Monday morning for the last five years, I've only missed one email, one Monday morning email. Every Monday morning, I write an email to my team. No matter where I am in the world, they get an email right around eight o'clock when they come into work, mm -hmm. eight o'clock or earlier, and it's designed to help them positive mindset, mm -hmm. keep them clear on our vision. 
That's it. Positive mindset, clear on our vision. Why? They're humans just like me. And I know weekends, if I'm not disciplined, a little bit too much wine, a little bit of too much cheese, a little mm -hmm. bit of not enough sleep, and I might come into work a little bit foggy on a Monday morning. And I have to make sure that they're serving our franchisees as though it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday and not a Monday morning. And so I want them to reread that, get structured, get disciplined, leave all their problems outside and work on the business, mm -hmm. and I will support them. So there's not one specific thing we do. We, have, we hire fighter jets. And if someone's not a fighter jet, they, we thought they were a fighter jet, they're a crop duster, we try and bring them up to fighter jet potential. If they don't want to come up, we ask them to part ways. Jim Collins wrote an amazing mm -hmm. book, mm -hmm. I'm sure you know, Good to Great. He says, you're the bus driver, your business is your bus, and your team members have to be in the right seats. You might have the right team member in the wrong seat, things aren't going to work well. And there's three or four people I can think of in this building right now that we brought on board one guy in sales, but he does better in operations. Mm -hmm. And we just move people mm -hmm. around if you're a good fit. If you're not a good fit, we pull over and ask you to leave the bus. And that's okay too. You mentioned uh, one thing is to start a business, another thing is to grow, scale a business. Mm. Yeah. So why do we fall short entrepreneurs? Like 80% of entrepreneurs fall short of their potential. What is wrong? I think it's two things. One, we underestimate how much we can achieve in 10 years. <laughs> and we overestimate what we can achieve in one year, right? People just think that it's going to be easier. It's going to, there's going to be less resistance and friction. I thought that. It's like, oh, man, it's a great business model. The economy just crashed. It's 2009, right? The economy just crashed. No one wants to do one-on-one -on -one personal training. Everybody's excited about group training. I'm going to create this group training franchise. It's going to take off. Well, I didn't realize that at first I wasn't a franchise. It was a licensing program. Mm -hmm. And because I was giving territories out to our licensees, I was operating like a franchise. The state of California wanted to find me $2,500 per location. And at the time we had 110 locations. That's a lot of money for me back then. So again, I didn't think the state of California, you know, when I went into it, I didn't say, man, I can't wait until the state of California finds me, right? And then we had to wait 11 months to become a franchise before we can sell again. Mm -hmm. That was the agreement we had with the state of California. We said, hey, if you don't find us, please don't find us. We'll turn into a franchise. It was just a mistake. I didn't even realize what I was doing made us act like mm -hmm. a franchise. Mm -hmm. This is why CrossFit doesn't have protected territories, right? But anyway, so all this. And so for 11 months, imagine that. 11 months, we weren't allowed to sell a single location until we became a franchise. I didn't factor that in. I didn't factor the state of California. Uh, a couple years later, I didn't factor the audit that we're going to go through because we're growing so quickly and the Federal Trade Commission wanted to know why we're growing mm -hmm. so quickly. Do we have enough money to grow so quickly because the Federal Trade Commission oversees France. So not enough people, they don't do the true estimation of what it takes to build a business. So, and they underestimate that. Number two, the leader is poorly disciplined. It, I'm telling you, the yeah, leadership yeah, yeah. is the problem. Leadership is the solution. You show me someone who's a great leader, I'll show you someone who's going to scale their business. You mentioned you have to have the proper mindset to scale your business yes. to 100, 200 million a year. So what was missing in your mindset to get you to where you are today? Discipline. It wasn't anything Again, like... discipline. Yeah. Dude, it's People, they hate to, when they hear the word discipline. <laughs> yeah, they hate it. And I know Jocko Willing says discipline equals freedom, and he's absolutely right. <laughs> I have freedom because my schedule is so tightly made that I have surfing time scheduled into my calendar. You know, guess what? I don't wake up in the morning and just say, mm, today's a good Let's day, go. I'm going to go surfing. That's not the life mm -hmm. I live. It's scheduled, but I'm disciplined, and so I have sections of freedom in my life, right? Mm -hmm. But I love the life that I live. 
And so most people, again, it's the, sec it's the unsexy stuff that people need to do. They need to give true estimations. They underestimate what they can do in 10 years. They overestimate what they can do in one year. They underestimate the value of discipline. Mm -hmm. They underestimate the value of bringing on amazing team members. They invest in themselves. They don't invest in their teams. So if I'm going to invest in myself to become the CEO of a $200 million company, hmm, should my team members maybe also be invested in? Or are they just going to be a $50 million, $100 million worthy employee? Then it's not going to work, right? And so those are the little things. It's the little things. It's, everyone goes, oh, it's the marketing. It's the sales. It's not, man. It's not the marketing. I'm a marketing selling machine. And when I wasn't disciplined, we were bringing on owners. We were also losing owners because I was promising a unicorn delivering a donkey, mm. right? Now I promise a unicorn and I deliver a unicorn. And when you do that, your reputation precedes you. Yeah. Okay. In 2017, I gained around 3.2 million followers on social media. I earned more money than ever and got so many new opportunities. If you want to know how you can do that, download my free manual, Social Media Warrior, at www.warriorfamily.com. So how do you structure your day? When do you wake up? What do you do in the morning? I wake up typically between, I set my alarm for 5.30 a.m., but my eyes just open somewhere between 5 o'clock and 5.30 on mm -hmm. their own. Some days the alarm goes off and I, and I hit it, but I always set the alarm just in case I oversleep. I never hit the snooze button. I believe that if you hit the snooze button, even once, you're telling your subconscious mind, because remember, that's the first action of the day you're taking. And you made a promise to yourself the night before, I'm going to wake up at 5.30, but now I hit snooze. I already broke a promise to mm -hmm. myself. And all of a sudden, I'm telling my subconscious mind that 10 more minutes of interrupted sleep is more valuable than getting up and living my purpose and passion. So the rest of the day, my subconscious mind is going to constantly try and sabotage me, sabotage me. And I'm a big believer in that. And so anybody watching or listening to this must realize you have to turn off that snooze button and there's a feature on everybody's phone. You can turn off the snooze feature. That way it's just, for me, the alarm goes off and it's off. I can't do snooze. I, there's no snooze button on my phone, <laughs> right? Because look, I'm human. If I see the snooze button, I might hit it. Absolutely. Right? And so I wake up and within the next hour, I shower, drink 30 ounces of water, have a protein shake, and then take my dog Cookie out in the backyard and play with her 10 times. Uh, we throw the ball and she brings it back. And I just go through my gratitude exercises. It takes, takes but three to four minutes. Three people I'm grateful for, and I just think about them, and what have they done? Why am I so grateful for them? And I just think about that, and then I'll text them. I, hey, Similian, just want to thank you for coming out here to Chino Hills, making time to interview me. I really appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. You're making a big impact in people's lives. Send. And then I text those three people. And guess what? It's the most selfish thing I can do because every time, every time, at least one of them, sometimes all three, will text me back, oh, my God, I needed that. Thank you so much for sending me that gratitude text. What a great feeling for me, right? Like, wow, three wow. people first thing yeah. in the morning told me what a great guy I am, right? And so now then I'll take my, the night before I make, make a list on my notes. So the night before, since I've made my list, I'll just say, okay, what are the three, four things I'm going to do to move the needle? I don't wake up and go, hmm, what should I do? I've mm -hmm. made that decision the night before. Okay. I open my MacBook and I start working. If it's sending out my broadcast, writing a blog post, writing a piece of sales copy, working on my book, when I was working on my book, you know, every day I was writing 1,500 words. So that was I, the goal, like. that's it. That's it. And so I have the structure and the routine already planned out. And because I have that, 
I'm not going to be distracted. I'm so vigilant, I have notifications turned off on my phone. I don't know if I'm getting Instagram or Facebook or YouTube notifications, and I don't care if I'm getting it. Mm -hmm. Right now, this is what's important, or my mm -hmm. book is what's important, or the meeting I'm holding is what's important. So by nine o'clock in the morning, I'm already in the gym working out, just like today. This is why we had the meeting mm -hmm. here, except today I went at eight o'clock so I can come up here and shower. Mm -hmm. So normally nine o'clock, I'm in the gym, work out for an hour, come here, shower. By 11 o'clock, 11.30, I'm meeting with my team, my two VPs, mm -hmm. getting a download on the health of the business today. They get an upload, marching orders, and then off we go. And then the rest of the day, I'm here to serve my team and my franchisees, mm -hmm. my clients. And it's a pretty predictable life. Do we have unpredictability? Do things go wrong? Absolutely. And that's called life. You know, people go, wow, a structured day like that, you probably don't have problems. The only people who don't have problems are dead people. Everyone, the rest of us, we have problems, and that's okay. <laughs> when do you go to bed? 10 to 10.30. Okay. Yeah. And even my evenings are structured. Yeah. We so eat by 7 o'clock. You know, we eat by 7 o'clock with the kids. Kids go to bed by 8.30 for Chloe, 9 o'clock for Andrew. Me and my wife have one hour to watch one episode of a sitcom that we like, and then the hot tub. We hit the hot tub outside, and we just talk and relax in the hot tub. And then we put the dog away, we put Cookie away, and we go upstairs and, and go to bed. It's such a routine, and I love that because it's almost like I'm on autopilot. My body's conditioned for that. Like by, by 10.45 or by 9.45, my body knows like it's hot tub time. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in the hot tub, I'm relaxed now. It's easy to sleep. And when I go up there, I make my list before I go to bed. That way it's not in my head. It's on my, I do mm -hmm. a brain dump, right? And these are all things I've learned from our mutual friend, Craig Ballantyne. Craig, yeah. Like I used to be so undisciplined, and I talk about that in the book, yeah, yeah. and I give cred credit to Craig in the book. And you know, I used to laugh at Craig when he wanted to have dinner at five or six o'clock. I'm like, that's a lunch for me, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have dinner at eight, nine o'clock. But now, it? No, no, no. man, it's different. Structured life and structure equals freedom. So first two hours, you work from home? Yeah. That's where I get my most important job done. I call it's it like, my, the 5%. Mm -hmm. And there's 5% of the things that you do that make you money. The other 95% you have to do, delegate to your team, motivate your team, put out a fire. But the 5% of the things you do, if you just look at the 5% of the things you do, those are the money makers. What are your 5%? Delegate, motivate, sell. Mm -hmm. And so I'll delegate to my business partners, you know, email. Basically, so I'm sending out lots of emails and okay. text messages, right? Mm -hmm. Delegating. And then I'm selling. So I'm writing sales copy or an email broadcast or putting up mm -hmm. a Instagram, Facebook post. Mm -hmm. That's selling. I'm teaching, but I'm okay. selling, right? Because mm -hmm. I know when I put up a post, I'm going to get DMs, messages. And when mm -hmm. I get messages, myself or one of my team members, mm -hmm. Ash, up there checks those messages and we turn those people into franchisees or coaching mm -hmm. clients mm -hmm. or they buy a course or we just give them a free mm -hmm. piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Hey, thank you for following us, whatever, right? Okay. And so delegate, motivate, sell. And of course, you know, my job, I realize I'm a motivator. So if I'm not delegating and if I'm not selling, I'm motivating people. How do we come through, motivate my team, inspire my team, high five them? Uh, same, you know, today, the post that I put up on Instagram, I said, look, you're not having a bad life. You're just having a bad day, maybe a bad week, maybe even a bad month, could be a bad year, but, but it's not a bad life. And so don't make a permanent decision on a temporary feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm motivating people. And all these people are like, oh my God, I needed to hear that. I'm in, one guy, you can see the comment. I'm in bed right now moping. And your message got me up. Now, when that guy is ready to scale his business, who's he going to come to? Me. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's my job. Delegate, motivate, sell. The other 95% I either outsource to others or I do after my mm -hmm. morning work. 
So you have Fit Body Bootcamp business and you have your Empire podcast, masterminds, you run masterminds, coaching, and anything. So how much time do you spend on the Fit Body Bootcamp versus pers- building a personal brand, coaching, business, and so on? About 80-20. 80% on Fit Body Bootcamp, mm-hmm. 20% the coaching, consulting, mm-hmm. personal brand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I read the book, but you are talking that we have to first develop sales systems, marketing system, and then we have to develop a brand. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Because if you knew what I wrote beside the notes, you wouldn't be happy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you see what I wrote? What did you write? <laughs> Trash. (laughs) I'd like to understand why. You know, I was thinking vice versa. You think you need a brand first? Yeah. Really? Well, I had a brand. You know, you go out to these so-called experts. They they tell you, build a brand, build a brand. They're full of shit. Ask them for their bank statement. This is huge. Listen, I'm a debt-free, debt-free entrepreneur. Debt-free. I own real estate. $100 $100 million grossing franchise. Our profit margins are sick. I can bring my wife down. You can interview her and she'll tell you our profits. My point is, you build a brand. I was a personal trainer. I branded myself as the personal trainer to affluent people in La Habra, California. I had a brand. I was a personal trainer. I had a service. I did not know how to market. I did not know how to sell because I didn't have those two systems down. I was also a busboy and a bouncer who had a brand. My this logo, this, this BK logo, it's only two years old. Yeah. But yeah, I've been doing this. I've been coaching and consulting for 15 years because my branding guy goes, hey, I made your Fit Body Bootcamp logo, but your coaching and consulting business is a multi-million dollar business. You don't even have a brand. I said, great, make me one. I don't care about the brand. The brand is later. By selling and marketing, I become the brand. Does that make mm. sense? I become the brand. Anyone, oh, you need a pretty Instagram page. No, I don't. I get 1,000 people a week on Instagram these days. I get 1,000 organically, and it's because I put out great content. It needs to look like Louis Vuitton or Target, really good. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No one has ever made money through branding. They made money through direct response marketing, selling and marketing and servicing their clients. And because of that, you become a brand. And so anyone that that says, hey, go become a brand, hey, maybe if you have $50 million sitting around and you have time to money to to burn, do it. (laughs) Become a brand. I ain't got time to to waste money, man. If I have money, I'm going to donate it to Shriners. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the traditional school system? You have young kids. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate, I hate it. it, man. I hate it. What are you going to do? Well, so one thing, we, we have our kids in a private school, and the agreement we have with the principal is, mm-hmm. as long as my kids are doing three, and I, the agreement with my kids is, you, do, you get a grade point average of 3.8 or higher, and I'll take you out of school. We'll go to, because, you know, look, I travel on weekends. I speak in different places on weekends, mm-hmm. so we don't have weekends together sometimes, right? Okay. Maybe once or twice a month we have a weekend together. So our weekend might be a Tuesday, Wednesday. So I'll pull them out of school, and we go to Disneyland, and we get a private host, and they take us to the front of every line, and we ride and enjoy Disneyland, et cetera, on a Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday. That's our weekend. Whole day? Yeah. That's yeah. something new. Yeah, we'll, we'll do weekend stuff during the week, right? We just schedule it in, right? Disciplined, we schedule it in. But my kids know we won't pull them out of school if they don't get 3.8. Now. I don't care about the school education. And I tell my, my, my son says, Dad, you're being a hypocrite. Why do I need to get good grades when you say everything I'm learning doesn't matter? I said, because you have to also learn how to jump through the hoops. There's a relationship that we're building mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. If I said, look, man, I'm not going to do your podcast. And if later on down the road, I want to come and be a business partner of yours because I see you're doing something and I know I can help you. 
you're going to remember the time that I didn't jump through this hoop mm -hmm. of doing the mm -hmm. podcast with you. And so in life, we do have to jump through hoops. We do have to make sacrifices. We do have to take detours. And I said, Andrew, you have to get 3.8. You have to do the work just so you build the work ethic. I don't mm -hmm. care about the grade, mm -hmm. but I want it to be a 3.8 so I know you're making an effort. But after you get out of school, you can purge all that out and just remember everything I'm teaching you when you're traveling with me mm -hmm. and when I'm taking you to places. That's it. So I hate the school system. I never did good in the school system. My wife hates the school system. It is designed to create employees that are just like robots to work on an assembly mm -hmm. line. That is not the economy we're living in today. Unfortunately, and colleges, universities will, will be out of business, I believe, in the next decade. It will be severely downsizing in the next decade because they have such tremendous debt. Mm -hmm. Such tremendous debt. I mean, these kids have tremendous debt that the colleges are putting them in. And so something will get, get done about it, and that is part of my, one of my missions. But right now, I have to stay mission-focused on what I'm mm -hmm, doing now, mm -hmm. right here and now. I, I can't try and save everything. You have some rituals with your life? Rituals? Yeah. Habits. Yeah. Some, yeah. Like date nights? How do you keep your relationship Every passionate? Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. How long you're married? You said? Uh, 15 years. 15, okay. 15 years. Yeah, every Wednesday night, last night was a date night. Mm -hmm. Every Wednesday night is a date night. And uh, it has to be. And it's Wednesdays, not weekends, because if it's weekends, I'm not here. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, what am I saying to my wife subconsciously? My speaking gigs and oh, workshops are more valuable than you, right? Wednesdays, I'm 99.9% .9 of the time I'm here in, in Chino mm -hmm. Hills. So Wednesday nights are date nights. I have my own private gym that I built out. So you know, as a family, we work out together in the evenings. That's also another thing. Also on weekends when I'm in town, mm -hmm. we'll go work out together at my gym, BK Strength. Uh, we have our ritual in the evening where we eat dinner together at 7 o'clock, and then the kids go to bed at 8.30 and 9 o'clock, and then Diana and I hang out and watch a sitcom episode and then go in the hot tub. Like, we are pretty ritualistic where, where that's concerned. Um, in the mornings, very much the same way. She'll wake up just before me. She'll go to boot camp. I'm at home with the kids, right? Mm -hmm. And then she comes back from boot camp, and by this point, I'm getting ready. And so we do have a very, and I love that, man. It's being on the same page with your spouse is so important. If you can't be on the same page with your spouse, then soon your spouse is going to look at your business as the other woman, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And soon the separation begins. Yeah, yeah. Could you recommend some books for my audience to read? Yes. Oh, yes. Except men up books. <laughs> 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 All right, book number one is by Maxwell Maltz, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, Psycho-Cybernetics. Book number one, Psycho-Cybernetics. Mm -hmm. Book number two, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. I think it's a better <laughs> book than Think and Grow Rich. In fact, everyone who's read it has said it's a better book than his Think and Grow Rich, Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill. Grant Cardone's 10X Rule. Everybody should read Grant Cardone's 10X Rule. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, another amazing book. There is one more, but this is going to challenge everybody's faith and religion. But it's a book called uh, Power of Myth. Yes. And so the third and final book that I think, or the fifth and final book that I think everyone should read is The Power of Myth. But mm -hmm. do not read that book unless you are ready to have a radical look at faith and religion. And that's mm -hmm. all I'm going to say about that. And probably the book from the Craig. Craig oh, Bellantine. yes, of course. Craig, <laughs> Craig's book, yeah, Craig, yeah, sixth book. Craig's book, of course, The Perfect Day Formula. And actually his new book, too. I've got a, I got a little peek into Unstoppable, his uh -huh. anti-anxiety book. Uh -huh. Amazing. And I've just, that's just the first draft. 
And the, the, the 26th book you can read is Man Up. <laughs> I have the last question, which I call the power message or the last message. Just pretend for five seconds. Yeah. You only have five seconds to live. What would be the last message you would send to your kids? Something that they would remember till the rest of their lives that would stick with them, that would inspire them to live up to their potential. Yeah. Develop your purpose and serve others more. Wow, thank you very much. So guys, develop your purpose, serve other people, uh, watch the Empire uh, podcast, listen to the Empire podcast show, uh, read the Man Up book, watch the Warrior Family show, and I will see you soon. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Better. Appreciate it. Yeah. Resources from this interview are available online. Visit www.warriorfamily.com and download the free book Lessons from Millionaires with all the resources mentioned in the interview. If you want to be a warrior who has it all, visit www.warriorfamily.com and download my ebooks for free. Learn all about warrior productivity, habits, mindset, marketing and sales strategies, confidence boosters and many other things. I promise that you won't be disappointed. More valuable content is waiting for you on my social media profiles. Instagram, Smillion Mori. YouTube and Facebook, Smillion Mori, Warrior Family. Twitter, Smillion Mori. And LinkedIn, Smillion Mori.